Now here is the great, great secret of effectual prayer. Listen carefully. The prayer that gets to heaven starts in heaven. I believe God wants to shake this old country one more time with heaven-sent revival. That's what God wants to do. There also has to be the other side of the coin, our responsibility to share that life-changing message with those around us. There's something in the nature of God that wants His love to be shared with other people. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast exploring the ins and outs of church revitalization with your hosts, Matt Hensley and Kyle Beerman. This podcast is sponsored in part by the Christian Standard Bible. We encourage you to check out the CSB after the show to learn about a translation that is both readable and accurate at csbible.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of Not Another Baptist Podcast. Today we are joined again by Dr. David Dockery, who is visiting with us about his book, The Doctrine of the Bible, available from Seminary Hill Press. Dr. Dockery, thank you for joining us again today. You mentioned this. This book's written at a, at a, I believe you said an informed layperson's level. And so, looking back, I know some of the discussion around the, the conservative resurgence, particularly around the, the doctrine of the Bible. Uh, some of that, some of the question was, does it matter whether we affirm inerrancy of the Bible or not? Can't can't we just believe that the Bible is the word of God and that it speaks to my life? And isn't that enough. So, so in other words, why is the doctrine of scripture such an important concept for believers? And, and what are the, what are the implications for those who might believe wrongly about these issues? Yeah, well, thank you. That's a, that's a great question. Um, much is at stake here. Much is at stake. And if we get this wrong, it may not affect, it may not, I'll say that carefully it may not affect one's relationship with God. Certainly a person can be saved and have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ without believing the Bible is inerrant. But it is unlikely that they will be able to live faithfully for long periods of time by doing so. And it is even less likely that they will be able to pass on the faith to the next generation uh, by without a commitment to the full truthfulness of the Bible, and certainly not to the next generation. All you have to do is look at history, and you see that that happens. I mean, you can look at institutions. Uh, in 1636, the first college was formed in this country, uh, Harvard College to prepare ministers for the gospel. And they created this seal that says, you know, we all have these little Harvard t-shirts and it says Veritas, they're right in the middle, truth. But how many people know what that seal said in 1636? It said Veritas pro Christo et Ecclesia, truth for Christ and his church. Well, once they lost confidence in the Bible, Pro Christo et Ecclesia dropped out pretty quickly within the first hundred years of the history of the school. Uh, matter of fact, even before the first hundred years, because Yale was came into being in 1701 because Harvard had already gone astray. 
uh, and Yale was to come along and correct what was going wrong at, at, uh, at Harvard. And so it only took two generations for them to lose their theological compass. And it, it happens almost without question that the second generation is so far away from what was believed two generations ago when you lose confidence in scriptures. So many people want to think about it only in personal terms. I think it can do damage to a person's relationship with God for, if they do not have confidence in scripture. They, they may themselves veer off course, but it is almost a sure thing that the next generation will, and certainly the generation thereafter. And so much is at stake because we are not just responsible for ourselves. The work of the church, the work of discipleship, Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, what are you to do? These things pass along to faithful men and women who will be able to do what? Teach others also. So there's two generations right there in that one verse. So from Paul to Timothy and Titus to others. Now, if Paul gets a doctrine wrong, Timothy and Titus are likely to get it wrong and probably get it even further off course as they pass it down uh, the line. And, and so the Christian faith in some ways is a chain of uh, generations, and we pass it along generation to generation to generation. And if we pass it along without a confidence in the Bible, then it's uh, the Christian faith is up for grabs. And uh, you, you can see, uh, all you have to do is look at the smorgasbord of options that are out there within uh, liberal Protestantism, and you, you see what happens when people lose confidence in, in Scripture. And uh, all kinds of isms uh, develop. Uh, and it's 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 not a it's not a happy picture at all. Uh, Dr. Dockery, I want to put you a little bit on the spot and hear just slightly from from one of your your questions, uh, ma mainly to hone in on on pastors for a moment. With uh, at, at Southwestern, of course, and, and previously, you've you've certainly taught academics and, and historians and, and all of the above. And you have a, a goodly sum of pastors and church planters and missionaries that are in your class. And, uh, and one of the things kind of dovetailing off of what you, you just shared is, is I, I want our people to have confidence in, in me as a preacher, but I want them to understand that I am not uh, infallible or inerrant or all of that. I, I'm going to do everything I can to, to be right, to be orthodox, all of those kinds of things. But I try to highlight God's word as the most important part of, of our gathering ultimately during that sermon time uh, that, that I've even said before, the, the things that I'm going to say before and after, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get ADD and I'm going to chase a squirrel. That's, that's not as important than what I'm about to read. It's been breathed out by God for you. And, and, you know, we'll say something along those lines. Those that are listening in, pastors that are in, uh, how, what would be some just simple, if you could just kind of on, on the fly write a three-part article or three-point article, what would be three things 
that pastors could do to help their, their church members just fall deeply in love with God's word, one, and then also have a reverence for and understanding of how timely it is for their life? Uh, first and foremost, encourage them to read the Bible regularly. Encourage reading programs of scripture. And people need to begin reading the Bible with a translation or a paraphrase they can understand. Uh, I know some pastors are uncomfortable with people reading uh, the Living Bible or the Message or something because it's not as accurate at places as a, as a good translation. But as a beginning place for people to begin to understand the story, to begin to get excited about turning the page and, and reading more, I say put whatever translation is is helpful for them to begin with. Then you can advance to helping them understand why some translations are better than others and perhaps more faithful to the original Hebrew and Greek uh, text. But by that time, they're reading scripture and they'll want to read the, the, the right thing. So, you know, you, you begin at, at a very basic level and get people to read scripture. And you, and you do that by what you have mentioned earlier is every Sunday you stand up and read scripture and say, this is the word of the Lord. Remind them, this is God's, God's word written so that they take the Bible seriously it's, and, and reverently, not mystically, not magically, not where they just open it up and say, oh, today I'm going to, you know, this is God's word for me today, because it has to be understood within context. So you get them to read the Bible first and, and get them to read it as, as a book from, from that God, where God is speaking to them. Then read a, a more accurate translation is the second step. And then thirdly, to try to help them begin to understand that the context in which these books were written, that the, the history of the Pentateuch is very different than the poetry of the Psalms and the uh, wisdom advice of Proverbs and different than the prophetic writings of Isaiah or Ezekiel. And so you learn to read uh, things differently. We do that uh, intuitively uh, over time in how we read the newspaper. We learn to read assuming it's a, a newspaper that can be trusted, uh, you, you read the, the headlines on the front page and say, this is what happened today or what happened yesterday. You turn the page and this is the editorials and it's not what happened yesterday and it's not a fact, but it's what somebody thinks. It's an opinion, it's an opinion piece. You turn the page and here's sports. And it may be about what happened yesterday, but it's not news. It's about competition and about something that's not quite as important to our society. And then you turn the page and here are some uh, classified ads that tell you that you're selling a car or Kyle is selling a house or, 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 or whatever that's there. Now, maybe we don't do that as much today because we do so much online. Uh, we don't have papers, but if you, work your way through a newspaper, then you get to the comics, and you certainly read those differently than you do uh, the facts or the opinion pages. So, and we learn how to read magazines, how to read uh, things just intuitively as we 
you know, it's, it's a part of maturing in, in life. So as maturing in Christ, as Christians, we learn to read history different than wisdom literature, different than prophecy, different than, than letters to churches. Uh, and, and then we begin to read things in context. And all of a sudden, it starts to make sense to us. The story starts to come together. We see that it's an unfolding of, of God's redemptive plan for his people. And so you read Genesis chapter 12, and what seems like an ancient story back here, that God called this person out of some little town called Ur and uh, called him, and he made a covenant with him and said to Abraham, we're going to give you a, a, a land uh, and a people, and you're going to be a blessing to the whole world. And when he says you're going to be a people, he actually uses the word this, you're going to give you a seed, which is at the time to be his son, uh, which was uh, actually a son that came through a particular mother. Um, and, and so it was Isaac uh, who, who, is, who is the heir of, of that. But uh, then you read Galatians chapter 3. You, you work your way through, you read the Bible. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, you find out that seed was much more than Isaac. Because 3.16 says that seed is Jesus Christ. The promise was not to seeds plural, the Bible says, but to seed singular, which is, th that verse alone is one of the great affirmations of the inerrancy and truthfulness of the Bible, because it's a big difference between seeds plural and seeds singular. And Paul says the promise was not to seeds plural, but to seed singular, and that seed is Christ. And so you begin to put all this together, and you see that even before the promise to Abraham, there was a promise back in Genesis chapter 3, that the seed of the woman, this would be the one who would overcome uh, Satan, the, the evil one, the serpent. Uh, then the seed is promised through Abraham. And this same promise of a seed in Second Samuel, we're told that it's going to be a child of David to sit on the throne uh, forever. And then we see that that, uh, that seed comes to uh, reality in Matthew chapter 1, the generations of Abraham and David. And Paul gives us even a greater fine-tuning of that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. And then he comes down and he says something wonderful to us uh, in chapter 3, verse 29. If we are all believers in the, the fulfillment of that seed, Jesus Christ, then guess what? We're the inheritors of all the promises given to Abraham too. Uh, and so all these blessings come to us as the uh, people of God. And then, so you begin to pick up on keys like that as you learn to read the Bible in context and make connections with what's gone before. And now what seems like a strange book all of a sudden makes sense. It's one big story, and it all points us to, to uh, Christ. So that the whole purpose of this is so that we fall more in love with Jesus, and we're conformed more and more to his image, and we evidence the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and live out the gospel so that we have the opportunity to share the gospel and tell this good news to those people with whom God brings us in contact. And, and so, but it begins with learning to read the Bible uh, initially. 
and most people don't know where to begin. So help them learn to read the Bible in very simple terms, the most understandable translation. Don't be afraid to put paraphrases in front of people because you want them to begin to understand the story and fall in love with the Bible. Take them along in baby steps, step at a time, until they can learn to read the Bible more accurately, in context, understand what it meant in history, then apply it to our lives in our context today. And, and I know before that I was, was three points, but I hope it, it was a little more than three points, but, but we'll take it. We're, I, I, I see Kyle over there taking notes. I'm trying to take all of this in. I, I can't wait to listen back to this uh, because this has been so good. But uh, what you just shared reminded me of uh, just kind of the transition that uh, thankfully God, I believe uh, led in, in my ministry um, basically over the course of my time at uh, Southwestern seminary. Uh, I always considered myself to be a verse by verse preacher and expositor. Uh, and, and I thought I was pretty good. I was, in my opinion, I was probably a great orator. Uh, but ultimately, I was great at getting running commentary. <laughs> and so I wasn't always uh, really leading the people through how we got to what, what we did. It was this great um, kind of lecture, making mm-hmm. our way through each of these verses, somewhat disconnected. Uh, in the grand scheme of all of scripture, uh, certainly connected there within that book. Uh, and, and when I was going to Southwestern and walking through some of the text-driven model and, and some of that kind of stuff with the training there, uh, really helped me to see, you know, the substance, the style, the spirit, all of those things of scripture that we're trying to lead our people to. And so instead of trying to wow my people with the greatest Greek word that I can find in this text, I can walk them through how we got to where we, you know, how, how did I form these two or three or four points? How did we get there? And what does it mean for us? How does this uh, line up in the grand scheme of redemption and all of that? And, uh, and our folks are falling more uh, in love with scripture because of it. It's not just this lecture. We're, we're just walking them through what God's word ultimately is saying and why it's saying it, how it's saying it and all of that. And our people, I think, are, are encouraged by it. And That's so thank wonderful. You. That's encouraging to hear. Yeah, it really is. And, 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 I, and they, they will get that. And then that helps them with their own Bible reading uh, each day. You know, I, th- I think if people would just take 10 minutes a day, you know, they don't have to be overwhelmed, think they have to carve out an hour. Ten minutes a day will be enough to really get someone's interest in, in Scripture pretty, pretty quickly. They can, can begin to do that. That's, that's, that's wonderful to hear your own story of, of the maturation of your pulpit ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Dr. Dockery, as we wrap up, uh, what, what are your hopes for the reprinting of the book? Here yeah. as we as we kind of begin a new decade, um, what what are your hopes as as this is going to be all over the world through Seminary Hill Press? <laughs> well, I do hope it has uh, wide distribution, and, uh, and but I hope it's a reminder to a, a new generation who perhaps didn't quite understand the tensions or what was at stake in the you know the last two decades of the, of the twentieth. Uh, century, to be reminded that uh, a commitment to the truthfulness of the Bible is foundational to uh, one's Christian faith and certainly to the passing on of the other Christian faith. If indeed 
the Christian faith can be understood as the pattern of Christian truth. Not my language, something I borrowed from someone else, but I love that term, the pattern of Christian truth. Then we're able to, 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 to see that we only have a pattern of Christian truth if the Bible itself is understood to be truthful. And so this is a call to God's people to recommit themselves to the a truthfulness and authority of the Bible. So I hope it will be a reminder to a generation not to take this for granted, uh, but to be vigilant uh, about helping people in their churches uh, understand the importance of, of these truths. And when they read the Bible, they don't have a smorgasbord option to say, well, I like this and I don't like that. Uh, I'll, I'll do this. If it is the word of God, it speaks with authority and we have to adjust our lives uh, to scripture. So while we are tasked with the responsibility to interpret scripture aright, what happens if when we do that is that scripture then interprets us aright. And the ultimate goal is not for us to interpret the Bible, but for the Bible to interpret us and to make us different kind of people, the more like Christ, more in love with Christ, and more uh, open to being instruments of Christ to a lost and dying world. Amen, Dr. Dockery. Um, we appreciate the time. I think I can speak for Kyle in saying, I think we got a little smarter today. Uh, thank you for, for taking the time to visit with us. Again, we're thrilled uh, that you're, you are at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and looking forward to you actually getting there. Uh, and uh, I, I'll, I'll at least offer, if maybe it'll be easier for the move, if you just want to send all of your books to me, that's okay. <laughs> I, will, I will be happy to, to take those off your hand. No, we're grateful. We're looking forward to you being there. And, and I know that I was planning on going to uh, to the conference. And, uh, and so know that I will be there whenever it happens. And, uh, as, uh, sponsored by Southwestern seminary, this, this podcast will certainly keep you up to date when that is happening. And perhaps when it does, Dr. Dockery, uh, we would love for you to come back and maybe share, uh, about the conference and some of the plans there and, uh, keep people in the loop. But until then we're praying for you, rooting for you, and I uh, hope you stay safe there. And, uh, and now you have to suffer through our, our lovely outro. And I'm going to turn it over to Kyle in his little fedora. Kyle, send us out. Thank you very much for the privilege to be with you. It's yeah. been a joy. I've yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Likewise, thank you for joining us. Well, until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. And, and may you all get fancy hats just like that. <laughs> That's great. This podcast has been sponsored in part by the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. There are a lot of great things happening on Seminary Hill, and so we encourage you to find out all about them at swibbits.edu after the short clip by Roy Fish. Again, that is swbts.edu. Have a great day, and God bless. People without Jesus are lost. And... They're not only lost, but they're in danger of being eternally lost. The fact that people are going to be in hell if they don't somehow come into saving faith.